today on Doomed! Oh, hi, Mark. On Wednesday, Mark Zuckerberg went to Washington and sat for six hours. That's right, six hours in front of Congress for a hearing on Facebook Libra, their proposed digital currency. And for those six hours, Mark Zuckerberg was grilled. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he did not have a very good day. Joining me tonight on Doom to discuss everything that happened is Mashable senior tech reporter, Carissa Bell. Let me uh, pull up up here on the YouTube live stream so you can see us. And before we get into it, folks, you can support this show. As always, at patreon.com slash mattbinder and subscribe at youtube.com slash mattbinder. Uh, Carissa, there you are. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, uh, Carissa, what was this Facebook hearing about? Because I, I think most people, you know, they think of Facebook and they're like, oh, did Mark Zuckerberg show up for this hearing? Which, by the way, only his second time ever appearing at a congressional hearing. Uh, so this is big that he showed up this this past Wednesday. Um, so, you know, people think of Facebook, they think, you know, the social network, they might think of all the ways they uh, helped Trump get elected in the 2016 election. Uh, but then they hear this Libra thing and people are probably going, you know, for the most part, unless you're really into tech, people are going, what, what is what is Facebook Libra? Yeah, so I mean, the, the premise of the hearing was to talk about Libra, which is uh, Facebook's cryptocurrency project. It's still, it's really early days. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they still haven't even worked out yet about how it's going to work. But, you know, pretty much officials in pretty much every country, as soon as they've heard that Facebook wants to make its own cryptocurrency, that raised a lot of alarm bells. So this hearing was in front of the House Financial Services Committee, and you know, the point was to kind of groom Zuckerberg and, you know, really kind of get him on the record to answer some of these hard questions that lawmakers want to know about. Right. Now, there's obviously uh, many problems, I guess, with Facebook wanting to have its own, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, but really full-blown currency. <laughs> like, I feel like when people hear about cryptocurrency, they think, Oh, Bitcoin, which for the most part, Bitcoin right now is just an investment. Most people are not using Bitcoin to buy and sell goods. They're basically using Bitcoin to buy and hold on to in hopes of Bitcoin becoming uh, even worth more money and they strike it rich, like a few people did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a few different questions that people kind of have about this. Um, you know, on one hand, I think the, the biggest thing is that people don't really trust Facebook to kind of even do this. Um, but also, like you said, it's a lot different than sort of what you think of as like uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum or something where the, the value maybe fluctuates quite a bit. And, you know, people see it as sort of like a, you know, maybe a way that you could get rich quick or something like that. Um, Facebook sort of has positioned Libra as a way for uh sort of like a, a mode for people who are unbanked or like who don't have access to traditional financial institutions or uh, who those financial institutions aren't currently serving. So they're saying, you know, we can kind of step in and provide this this great service on top of our existing platform. Right. And, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, we just we just got this whole Libra thing. I would explain Libra for everyone who doesn't know. And. We're about to talk about basically it'll come up a few times, but we're about to talk now about everything but because it feels like and I watched uh, this whole geez six hour thing. If I didn't get it across to people in the intro, <laughs> Zuckerberg sat there minus a pee break or two, one which he actually really funny. He specifically begged basically for a, a pee break. <laughs> and uh so he so basically other than that uh the six hour event on facebook libra ended up being most of the people in congress who were on this house financial committee basically grilling zuckerberg for all of facebook's and as, as i wrote on mashable when i i wrote the 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 rundown of what happened facebook's 
past sins. Because mainly it seems like most Congress people don't even want to talk about Libra at this point. Because, you know, maybe I should play Maxine Waters, who's the chairwoman of the, the House Committee first, who basically summarized her feelings, and I feel like the feelings of most Congress people on this committee, how they feel about Libra and how they don't even want to basically talk about Libra until Facebook gets its house in order with everything else. Let me play Maxine Waters on this first, and then we'll discuss. As I have examined Facebook's various problems, I've come to the conclusion that it would be beneficial for all if Facebook concentrates on addressing its many existing deficiencies and failures before proceeding any further on the Libra project. Let's review the record. First, on diversity and inclusion. Facebook has utterly failed. Facebook's executive rank... Now, <laughs> it's funny because she goes... Uh, her, the first thing she brings up after saying her recommendation is that Facebook shouldn't even... Uh, proceed with Libra until they get everything else fixed is that she brings up Facebook's uh, diversity and inclusion within their own employee ranks. And she basically throws Mark Zuckerberg uh, the gauntlet by saying, you've utterly failed. I mean, it it already starts horribly for Mark Zuckerberg yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, I think for as much people you know, make fun of Mark Zuckerberg for seeming like a robot and all these things. Like he definitely has become a much better public speaker over the years. Um, and I think generally like he does pretty well, um, you know, under this kind of really intense questioning, but you can kind of see with, with some, uh, some of the comments that were made when like they really start to bother him and you kind of see his expressions change a little bit. Like you could, and I think with Maxine Waters opening statement, you could see pretty clearly in his face that he was already pretty upset by, uh, what he was hearing. Right. Now, you've, you've probably, you know, been to more Facebook-related uh, press events than anyone I know, that's for sure. So, you know, he, you, you did mention that he's gotten better over the years. Now, do you think, uh, when you watched this congressional hearing, did you think this was one of his better showings, all things considered? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think you can tell that he obviously doesn't feel, this isn't where he feels most comfortable, right? I mean, that's pretty clear. And I think that's probably the same for most people. Most people, you know, it's very high stress to be in front of Congress like that. I don't think most people are like comfortable doing that. Um, But there is an interesting thing that you see happen is that when he, uh, you know, like a really great example of this was earlier this week, uh, Zuckerberg hosted a press call where he was talking about, you know, uh, Facebook's election related security updates that they're implementing and um, a bunch of stuff that they're doing with like their political ads policy, which has come under fire a lot. Um, and he spoke about that pretty confidently. He was taking questions from reporters. You know, occasionally he'd have one of his, um, you know, executives sort of chime in for him. But he was very confident answering these questions. Um, and then you see he gets in front of Congress and he gets a lot of those same questions. And he suddenly becomes a lot less confident in Facebook's policy. And we've seen this before with other hearings, too, where, you know, they'll start asking to for him really deep questions about, you know, well, how does hate speech work? And what is, how does Facebook define hate speech? And, you know, uh, or you saw AOC saying, well, if I, could I have this kind of ad hypothetically? Um, and he's a lot more either unsure or like unwilling to say definitively. So you hear a lot of him saying, well, I'm not sure. I don't want to comment on, on hypotheticals and stuff like that. So there definitely is a contrast between, you know, how he speaks in environments where, you, you know, he feels comfortable and, you know, he has sort of his people around him. And then when he's on his own, uh, he suddenly seems a lot less sure. Can you go? Because I think this is the part that will is probably most interesting to my viewers. Can you go a little bit more into this new Facebook political advertising policy? Because it's been probably, I don't know, I guess the biggest sort of, I don't want to say scandal because it's not a, a Cambridge analytical level you know, data privacy breach, but it is, I would say, the most recent and the largest in some time sort of, I guess, Facebook controversy over their policies. Yeah, so I mean, Facebook has kind of had, I mean, Facebook has pretty much been dealing with this issue ever since sort of the rise of Trump, um, you know, in 2016, where they're kind of, how do you deal with uh, politicians who say things on Facebook that would otherwise break the rules? And Facebook has always kind of said, well, we have uh, an exemption for newsworthiness. We think that political speech, you know, especially from politicians, is, is newsworthy, and therefore, you know, we're we're going to you know leave it up. 
And it used to be that, you know, ads was one exception to that. Um, they would say, well, Facebook, you know, ads people are paying for, so we have a different sort of set of rules that apply to ads. Uh, and then this past week, uh, Facebook came out and they said, well, you know, actually, we're not going to fact check ads. We're not going to debunk false claims. So po politicians can basically run ads, even if they contain something that's false, misleading. There are very, very few scenarios where Facebook will, will do anything to, uh, you know, take that down. And that's something that's caused a lot of controversy. Obviously, people are really upset because, you know, there's things that basically they're saying, you know, all these politicians have a free pass to say whatever they want. Facebook won't fact check it. Uh, whereas if you're saying that, you know, just on your own page, if I said these same things, um, you know, it might not get taken down, but it could get sent to Facebook fact checkers. People would get some sort of message, you know, letting them know that it was false. Right. You know, it's it's stunning to me that we're at this, you know, this point where they're basically taking in everything that's happened over the past few years, it seems, and saying all the things we could do to fix it, we're going to do the complete opposite. Because, <laughs> I mean, I feel like one of the biggest issues that Facebook has dealt with is fake news. And just the spread of misinformation and disinformation, and whether that be uh, domestic, where it's just, you know, uh, conservatives or far, the far right basically creating these really clickbait sort of websites where they push forward, you know, patently false information on, on political opponents, or when we're talking about foreign influence, where it comes, you know, for Russia or Iran, who try to push, uh, you know, things towards one candidate they feel uh, would be better uh, suited to, to sort of cause disruption within the election process. Uh, you know, and, and it feels like they were taking this in and saying, okay, we're going to do things about this. We're going to, you know, fact check that information. We're going to let people know that this is uh, not uh, a factual based article. And we're also going to, for certain uh, topics, we're going to make sure that people have to specifically search for them. You know, if, if, if it comes to anti-vaxxer stuff, Facebook has now made it. So you have to specifically be someone who wants to search it, which means, you know, anti-vaxxers will continue to live in their little bubble, but it, Facebook's not going to go out of the way to recommend people that stuff, and they're not going to go out of that way, their way to promote it via letting it spread via you know the organic reach that uh, people uh, use to spread their links on Facebook. But then they go ahead and come out with this new policy where basically they're saying, okay, but if it's a politician doing all this stuff, all those rules, garbage, doesn't matter. If you're a politician, a.k.a. Donald Trump, you can spread fake news. You could share those misinformation articles. Feel free. Have a field day. Open, you know, it's open season. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a hard position for them because, you know, what they say is, well, we don't want to be in a position where we're policing political speech. Um, and you can sort of understand why, especially since, you know, there's been this sort of drumby uh, Facebook is biased against conservatives and, you know, they definitely... Uh, don't want to do anything that would sort of lend credence to that view, right? So I think uh, I think that's part of it. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is, like, you know, I think if you listen to, like, the way that Mark Zuckerberg kind of talks about these things, like, he definitely has a very idealized version of uh, our democracy and our world. And, um, you know, and I think he sort of believes that, well, if we kind of have this policy, then, you know, maybe at the end of the day, then more people will do the right thing than not. So, um, therefore, like, this is the better policy. Um, and, you know, I just think that it's, you know, and a, and a lot of it, like I said, it does go back to also just them worried about this, like, conservative backlash. And that's kind of been uh, something a lot of them have criticized them for is that, you know, they've sort of now overcorrected uh, to something that maybe wasn't even really happening anyway. There's never really been any proof that Facebook was uh, systemically silencing conservative viewpoints, but enough people believe that. And now Facebook is so worried about Thanks, that. Mike Nunez. <laughs> right. I mean, and it wasn't just that. I mean, they're, they're, I think that, that, that story definitely kind of kicked off some of this. But, you know, I think, I think at this point we'd probably be hearing that regardless. Um, you know, at the same time, Facebook is also dealing with the fact that there is a very real possibility that they're going to face regulation. People want to break up Facebook. Um, there's multiple investigations going on to the company for all kinds of things. And so, and who's in power right now is the Republican party. And so of course, like they're going to want to try it to please them. Mark Zuckerberg's been having these closed door dinners with Sean Hannity and 
um, you know, all these right wing figures and stuff. And, you know, I think I think that's on purpose. Right. For people who don't know, uh, Mike Nunez is our former editor at Mashable. And uh, I've brought him up on this show before. He's the guy who, when he was with Gizmodo, he wrote the article that basically set off the whole conservatives are being uh, basically shadow banned and Facebook has this anti-conservative bias. And the thing is, if you actually read the article, there's more to it. But they basically just ran, conservatives basically just ran with the simplified headline that Gizmodo put up. And that honestly set off the entire narrative that all these social media companies are biased against the right wing. And I've spoke to Mike previously. I'm going to get him on the show to discuss that whole thing. But one thing of note, though, um, that was interesting to me was this Facebook Libra hearing. Whenever they went to a Republican, they went out of their way to, you know, sometimes they do this, certain guys do this, certain Republican members of whatever committee, Facebook or Google or Twitter or whatever tech company is sitting before them in the hearing. You know, there'll be a few members who go like, I'm a big fan of innovation. So I, you know, I love that you guys are innovative, you know, so, you know, I'm happy you guys are capitalists. That was all over this hearing. Uh... But for the first time, I think, at one of these hearings, all these conservatives, you know, along with saying, I'm glad you guys are capitalists, they basically commended Mark Zuckerberg for these free speech policies Mark Zuckerberg is going on about. And I don't think any of them mentioned even once conservative, anti-conservative bias on the platform. In fact, on the contrary, they really did thank him for letting this conservative, uh, you know, letting conservatives spread their fake news pretty much without, without explicitly saying that. It was sort of stunning to see. Yeah, you know, I, that's, uh, that's a good point. And we saw last week uh, Zuckerberg made this big speech at, at Georgetown University where he kind of laid out his view of uh, free speech and and, ha- and Facebook's policies and and you see like he's definitely taken a sort of more I don't know maybe I'd say like libertarian point of view I guess in terms of free speech and right. and the way he thinks about it and you can definitely t- see that um th- that yeah definitely I don't know if that's the reason why it's uh, quieted some of those comments but you know I mean and also if you just look at if you, if you look at what uh, kinds of publications do really well on Facebook right now I mean cons- almost consistently every single day. The top, uh, you know, the top sites are uh, Fox News and all these other conservative outlets. Like they're doing far, far better than you know the typical sort of mainstreamer, right. left-leaning places. Right, Daily Caller, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, I, I believe the most recent top ten publishers on Facebook uh, for news and politics. I believe it was all conservative outlets, except for like Occupy Democrats or some like <laughs> clickbaity you know, mainstream liberal Facebook page. Other than that, it was nine straight conservative news organizations from Fox News to, you know, like I mentioned, uh, specific personalities like Ben Shapiro, Steven Crowder, to straight up like online right-wing outlets. Like, you know, I'm not sure if Breitbart's up there anymore. They were certainly high up there during the uh, election, the last uh, presidential election. But I did see Daily Caller on there. It's it's stunning to see like just how we went from Facebook is biased against conservatives to uh, we're not all of us gonna we're, we're, we're I can't even say this because we didn't go from Facebook is biased to conservatives to Facebook seems to be actively promoting conservatives because that's not even the 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 narrative now. The narrative went to Facebook was biased to conservatives to. Nobody at all talking about the fact that all of a sudden Facebook seems skewed towards conservatives. Yeah. And, you know, I think it tells you like how disingenuous the argument was to begin with. And, you know, to be clear, I don't think there's some engineer at Facebook, you know, saying let's okay, let's make sure that Fox News and Daily Caller and, you know, all these things are are pushed really high up. Instead, I think kind of what it tells you is like one, Facebook's demographic has changed a lot in the last few years. Um, it tends to be a lot, their core user base, at least in the U.S., is a lot more, you know, older, more conservative people. Um, and also just how good these platforms have gotten at catering to those people. Like they, you know, what does well on Facebook uh, and newsfeed is, you know, things that inspire outrage, stuff that's really inflammatory, clickbaity. And those kinds of publications are the ones that are, you know, able to uh, to use that very well. 
Right. Hi, hi, all the moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas on Facebook now, right? I mean, it's it's crazy how that that whole you know. And I was even talking earlier today uh, uh, about how you know it's interesting that people talk about how you know Mark Zuckerberg created this basically this college hookup app before college hookup apps were a thing like you know Tinder and and such. And, you know, he could have never seen it turn into what it ended up becoming. But I even think it's a step further, like like you just mentioned, he also could have never seen the demographic change. He was creating, uh, even when he was converting it from a, you know, a hookup app to a news and photo sharing app, uh, it became, uh, you know, he still was making it for, seems like, the common internet user base at the time were young people you know maybe the oldest being like gen xers Mm -hmm. but now you see he could have never seen that baby boomers were going to be his largest audience there's no way yeah and in a way they're the ones who kind of maybe uh caused the the most of these kind of problems like if you know and you know some of it's maybe just any kind of platform maturing but you know back when it was just college students uh you know there was definitely still controversies around uh facebook but you know you're not <laughs> a little it was a little bit different than you know the facebook is ruining democracy narrative that we have now right now i, I want to ask you something you made me think of I, i'm not sure if you'll know you know this but you know, like i said you've been to more of these have you ever met zuckerberg um i no, i have not all right but still you might know this okay so yeah it's the, on this show. I always find a way to to correlate this to a pro wrestling reference. Uh, in the WWE, Vince McMahon, the the owner of WWE, is notorious for being, uh, you know, heading up everything. He needs to be involved in every little thing. You know, from who gets hired, the business end of it. Uh, he's notorious for literally he hires all these writers, and then literally hours before the actual live TV cable TV show starts, he's rewriting what these professional writers wrote for the show. Is Mark Zuckerberg one of those types who is who, who is involved in every little piece of Facebook? Is he like really like down to the wire involved in all the policy changes? Or does he let the people he hires to take care of certain things basically have ownership over those areas? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, and I, I think it's changed a little over the years. I mean, I don't think he's not really known as I don't think one of those uh, CEOs that like obsessively controls uh, every little detail. And obviously, like Facebook is very, very big. So, um, you know, he couldn't really at this point, even if he wanted to, um, you know, but I definitely think and, you know, his background too. his background is as a as a programmer, you know, so I think the perception has always been that he's been very involved in the, the technical side of things. And that was true for a very long time. He was very hands on with, you know, all the engineering efforts and, um, you know, some of the more technical side of the business. Um, and then I think what you really saw the shift was around, um, you know, around 2016. And then what, I forget which year it was where his, his challenge was basically like to fix Facebook's big problems. You know, and so I think at that point he got a lot more involved in like the policy side of things and, you know, some of these like bigger problems. I think that's when things really started to change. He started to kind of have his hands more on that side of the business. Now, you brought, you brought up that uh, the Georgetown speech he did, and I totally didn't even think about bringing it up in this. But but one thing that was really interesting to me, I wish I grabbed the clip. Um, but it was so, you know, what were you thinking, actually, when you because I couldn't believe just the. the the rewriting of Facebook's history where he basically said, you know, instead of, and he's done this many times before, but I think this one was the most, I don't know, delusional version of his rewriting of Facebook's history where instead of just coming out and saying, you know, when I was making Facebook to basically uh, make it as a uh, college based hot or not app, instead of just saying that, he went ahead and said, you know, when the Iraq war was getting started, I thought to myself, what if people had a social network? You know, it was stunning to see him rewrite the, his own company's, you know, early beginnings. You know, what did you think of that? Yeah, I think that was a moment when like a lot of people's jaws kind of uh, hit the floor, you know, because there's there's a very well-documented history of, you know, how Facebook's got started, started and, you know, its origin story at, at Harvard and, uh 
you know, and then he came out and he sort of said, well, you know, if more people had a voice and, you know, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And, you know, uh, it came out later that he, you know, he insisted on writing that whole speech himself and he didn't let any of his, you know, policy or communications staff look at it beforehand. So, which I think is pretty obvious because I definitely don't think they would have let him include that line. Um, you know, and I think it's just, it goes back to like, you know, he wants to have this like idealized view of things and, you know, maybe he thinks, maybe he did, uh, have some objection to the, you know, Iraq war in his head at the time. Like, I don't know. I'm sure that thought crossed, you know, maybe that thought crossed his, his mind at some point. Um, but yeah, it is really interesting to see him sort of try and remake, uh, himself and I think it was pretty symbolic of that speech too you know he was at Georgetown um which you know was in the capital and he had you know it's sort of like a a lot of important politicians have, have made speeches there and I think it kind of tells you a lot about sort of how he sees himself and like how he sees uh the role that Facebook plays now now I'm gonna play we we brought it in to, to segue back to the uh the uh the political free speech rules that Mark Zuckerberg is now uh waving around I, I pulled the clip of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez basically bringing up where Zuckerberg is basically doing a little bit of doublespeak, where he says, let me let, me let AOC speak first and then we'll discuss. Uh, here's that clip from, uh, from the hearing yesterday. Well, could I pay to target predominantly black zip codes and advertise them the incorrect election date? No, Congresswoman, you couldn't. We, we have, even for these policies around the newsworthiness of, of mm -hmm. content that politicians say and the general principle that I believe that... But you said you're not going to fact-check my we, ads. We have, if, if, uh, if anyone, including a politician, is saying things that uh, can cause, that is calling for violence or uh, could risk imminent physical harm or voter or census suppression mm -hmm. when we roll out the census suppression policy, um, we will take that content down. So, so you will, there is some threshold where you will fact check political advertisements. Is that what you're telling me? Well, Congresswoman, yes, and for specific things like that, where there's imminent risk of harm. Could I run ads targeting Republicans in primaries saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? Sorry, I, I, can you repeat that? Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game? I, uh, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think So probably. you don't know if I'll be able to do that? I think probably. Um, do you see a potential? Now, now here, here's the thing that's really, you know, she brings up how... Uh, you know, they're not allowed to run ads about, you know, suppressing, you know, hey, the election is uh, uh, on Wednesday this year, not on Tuesday. So make sure you go out and vote on Wednesday. You know, obviously, that's a classic form of voter suppression. People have done that through mailers. People have done that through through robocalls. It's, it's been around. Um, he's saying that that's not OK. But then he also brings up how they're not going to fact check, you know, politicians spreading stories like, you know, she uses the example, can she uh, uh, take out ads that says that this Republican supports the Green New Deal, which obviously would uh, hurt a Republican in a very red district. But, you know, a better example for, for, for my uh, uh, use case here is, so she's saying basically that Donald Trump can't run an, uh, what Mark Zuckerberg is saying, excuse me, is that Donald Trump can't run an ad saying, uh, you can vote on your phone this year, text, and then he, you know, he he shows up a string of numbers that actually just goes to the Trump campaign because obviously you can't vote on your phone through text message. It's just not a thing. He can't do that. Trick people not to go to the polls, but he can share a story and say, let's say, I don't know, uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, has been getting information from Ukraine to take down Donald Trump, which is false. That's not true. He's saying that he can do that, though, if he's sharing a story that, has to, that, that says that. Now, here's the thing, though, and this is where he sort of doesn't get it. That's voter suppression. Like, someone who would have voted for Elizabeth Warren, who reads that story, could possibly say, oh, I did not know that about her. I can't support her anymore. That's bad. 
and not go and vote for her. And then there's a problem. Right. Or if, uh, you know, somebody in another country ran something like that, then they would say, well, that's, um, you know, like an information campaign and manipulation. They would take that down. Right. Right. And, and again, this is only this is where it's funny to me. Again, this is there's one set of rules for you and me, Carissa, and everybody listening to this show. And there's another set of rules for Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, uh, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. It's incredible that that you know, this is my thing. You know, if he wants to take the, the you know, put down the flag in the ground and say, I don't this network is just, you know, we don't control what people post. You know, there's the DMCA that lets people upload whatever they want and we don't have to do anything. We have nothing to do with it. We're free of legal trouble. Unless someone does a copyright, you know, take, uh, t- t- wants to take it down because they own the copyright of it, or it's an actual threat that can lead to real harm, it's illegal, then we take action. Other than that, anything goes. If that's what he wanted to do, then you know what? A lot of people wouldn't agree with it. I would probably have problems with it as well, but you know what? I'd be fine with it. That's the moral stand they want to take. Whatever. Cool. But they won't even do that. They want to, you know, sort of have their cake and eat it too. They want to say, you know, we're going to clamp down on certain things, but not clamp down on others. And it's not that these things they aren't taking action on aren't as bad. It's that they don't really seem to understand how they're equivalent to the things that they are taking down. Like, it's like they're not getting the sort of political uh, issues here that they're pretending they sort of get. Yeah, you know, I think it sh- you can see that they're like, they're having a really hard time figuring out where to draw these lines. Um, you know, they obviously see, I think voter suppression is one of the only, like, really, voter su- suppression and census suppression now, I guess, are the only, like, categories where it seems like they're drawing really hard lines. Um, they also said, you know, if there's, like, a, a threat of, like, real real world harm, um, you know, that's something that we've seen from, from Twitter, too, as they're trying to struggle with some of these issues as well. Like, they're giving, um, you know, they're saying that their first consideration is, you know, whether something could, uh, you know, cause like a real act of violence or something. But, you know, then you saw, I think uh, Rashida Tlaib, right. you know, kind of took him to task for this. And she said, well, you know, people are running things and uh, running ads that cause, you know, my office to get threats. So, you know, why are those things allowed to stay up? And again, I think you see him really struggling to answer that. Like they're, you know, I think they just, I think what it comes down to is like, it's really complicated and they don't know exactly how to draw these lines in a way that would uh you know not seem like they're picking on somebody so they're just saying well we don't want to make draw any line um and yet, yet they know. are though it's it's like you yeah know, I'm, I'm, i almost feel you know i feel like if they wanted to take that stance i feel like that would actually be the principled stance like just don't take action on anything again unless you there's there's a legal issue uh you know uh, someone's life is in you know there's a threat to someone's life you know, otherwise, let people lie. Let people share whatever clickbaity bullshit they want. Why draw a line on certain things for certain people? Again, that's, I mean, that to me is the biggest out, like outrage. The, you know, Joe Schmo sharing whatever to his, uh, his uh, old uh, college classmates from, uh, 60, from 68, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, can't spread certain things, can't share certain things without Facebook throwing a warning on there, but some of the most powerful people on the planet can spread this dangerous false information. It's it's a bizarre line to draw to me. Yeah, you know, I think on one hand, so, you know, if you take if you take what they're saying at face value, they're saying, well, um, you know, in a democracy, it's important for, you know, politicians to have a direct line to uh, their, you know, voters. And so... Um, our Facebook ads are one form of that, and we don't want to do anything to interfere with that because that would be bad for democracy, right? That's what Mark Zuckerberg says. You've, you've heard him now make that argument a bunch of times. Um, you know, on the other hand, there's people who say, okay, why don't you just ban all political advertising? Facebook even says, you know, it's a small percentage of our revenue. We don't make a lot of money off of political ads. Um, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we can possibly do that because that would be, you know, everybody would lose. And again, that would sort of uh, be too disruptive to the democratic process. But, you know, I think, I don't think they really made a good case for why that's true. You know, obviously, like a lot of campaigns have, have used Facebook very successfully and, and ads are uh, a big part of that. And I just think that they, 
you know, I, I, they don't want to, you know, be in a position where they're, they can be called out for saying that they're somehow, you know, favoring one side over the other. Right. Right. And there's a few more points I want to hit on, on this before we leave. AO, uh, I mean, to get away from what AOC's, uh, uh, topics at the hearing were, but what one more thing she brought up was well, she also brought up Cambridge Analytica and grilled Mark Zuckerberg over when he knew about it, which apparently we still don't know when he knew about it because he's claiming he doesn't even know when he knew about it, which I don't know. It sounds suspect to me, but I'm not going to talk about what Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not going to spend too much time, I should say, on what Mark Zuckerberg saying he doesn't know because we don't got any proof of when he knew. But um, I will bring up this. It seems like he. I don't know if he lied. I'm going to assume he didn't purposefully lie. But he seems at, even at the, you know, this is just as bad if you ask me. Doesn't seem to know his company's own process for how they pick the people who fact, the, the organizations that fact check the uh, links that are shared on his website, his platform. Right, that was interesting. When she was, she was um, I think, asking him why the, the Daily Caller is a, is a fact check partner. He said, well, you know, we work with a third party and they met this third party standards and, you know, that's, uh, you know, and so therefore, like, you know, we, it's not, he says, you know, he tries to take the Facebook out of the equation and say, well, you know, it wasn't about us. Uh, it was all these third parties and they met the standards. So, you know, they get to be a fact, um, you know, a fact checking partner, um, you know, and I think that uh, it's pretty clear for people who followed, uh, you know, followed Facebook's fact checking partnerships. Well, there's like a little more to it than that, but he doesn't want to. You know, he's also not in a point, position where he wants to defend the Daily Caller. You know, I think he knows that they're like uh, probably like not one of you know they like to highlight. You know, when Facebook highlights their fact checkers, they're like they talk about like Pointer, or, right. um, you know, some, some like the AP or something. They don't want to talk about the Daily Caller. He doesn't want to defend them. Right, but you know, who who is then picking someone like the Daily Caller to be the fact checker? Because you know. Like we found out, like you, like we were talking about, you know, he doesn't seem to know how because he blatantly told her false information. The third party group doesn't actually like they they uh, approve of an organization as a fact checker, but they don't actually tell Facebook or choose for Facebook on who fact checks. They just say, you know, such and such organization went through their process to like you know get a certificate saying they could be a fact checker. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't remember the exact kind of. Uh, process for like how all of these uh, companies come about. I do remember at one point after they announced the initial uh, group of fact-checking partners that there was some sort of um, you know criticism, I guess, from uh, from like more right-wing media circles that there weren't any like quote-unquote conservative uh, publications or not enough, you know, with that point of view that were part of it. So I think that there was at some point like an effort to get maybe you know, a uh, bigger diversity of opinions, as uh, Facebook might say, into it. But I don't know exactly, um, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly how all those went down. Right. Now, one thing that came up during the uh, hearing that I I knew about, but I sort of, I don't want to say forgot about it, because it was, you know, it's something that I heard. I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm surprised this is coming up, because, you know, outside of when the news hit of, of this being an issue with Facebook, I haven't really seen, you know, much talk about it. And I'm so happy it was brought up. Uh, this story about how Facebook was being used to basically discriminate against, uh, essentially, black people, but through targeting, uh, the Facebook ad targeting, basically, where people were basically cutting out certain areas with large, you know, minority population to make sure that their housing advertisements weren't being shown to, you know, minority groups. What, 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 can you tell me a little bit more about this, uh, this, what, what's happening with this? Yeah. So I believe, um, I think this is known as like redlining, right? Where, right. Um, you know, which is against the law. Uh, and yeah, so it came out that, uh, F Facebook's, you know, ad targeting platform could, you know, because it lets you be so narrow in terms of like which kind of people you want to send ads to that it could, you know, that some of these, um, you know, entities were able to very effectively kind of shut out like certain groups of people uh, from their ads. And there was like, I think there was a, it came up, they mentioned that, you know, uh, Ben Carson at uh, Housing and Urban Development um, 
you know, had a, I think they sued them. There was a big investigation. Facebook, um, you know, they eliminated, as a result, they sort of eliminated certain categories from their ad policies. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that was like a pretty, you know, and that was like, and that was one of the things that you saw in Mark Zuckerberg's opening statement that they, they spent a lot of time talking about kind of that change and the other sort of diversity issues that a lot of lawmakers are concerned about. Right. Now, now, uh, I think it was, uh, who was it? Uh, Rep, uh, Joyce Beatty, who, who brought it, who brought it up. And she mentioned that, you know, she brought up the civil rights, um, uh, review that Facebook went under and, you know, I think it was important that he probably should have shown up and, and knew what they was recommend what these, the, the civil rights, uh, 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 review said that Facebook should do, but the most stunning part of it to me was when uh, she asked Zuckerberg, "Who is heading up uh, their civil rights, uh, basically, I guess, outreach?" And Zuckerberg says, "Cheryl Sandberg." I mean, she, uh, Red Beatty could not believe that that uh, he said that because, I mean. Is she actually who is heading up that initiative? Do we do we do we have any idea? Because that would be you know bad enough. He didn't know, and he just throws out her name. But if she actually is, which I'm assuming, I'm gonna assume that's the case. You know, can they be any more? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know how to how to put it. Can they be any more obtuse? I guess to this this issue. I mean, that's stunning. Well, I mean, if she does it, then whoever is like ultimately reports to her. So I think, you know, this is definitely something that kind of falls under under her purview um, rather than his. But yeah, it was pretty stunning. I mean, at one point she asked him if, you know, he had read, uh, you know, the report as part of his, you know, prep for this hearing. And he was kind of like, no. And I mean, it was it was a really bad moment for him. It was, I think, probably one of the worst moments uh, that he had yesterday when he just seemed completely and utterly clueless about all of these issues and he really didn't have a good answer for anything. Another, and this was probably one of the few moments where, where Libra was a, a, a main topic of conversation was when uh, uh, Congressman uh, Meeks from New York brought up how, you know, he asked Mark Zuckerberg because uh, the biggest push, it seems like Facebook, at least, you know, in, in its marketing to Congress was that Facebook Libra, this digital currency, was gonna help the underbanked, uh, who basically don't have access to to banks or aren't able to open an account or live in basically like you know like a, a bank desert, or you know there's many reasons why uh, people who are in poverty and people who live in uh, underserved areas and minority areas just don't have the access to have uh, to, to banking. And that seems to be what Facebook was hoping would would win over Congress on on Wednesday. And Meek sort of, I don't know, torched Mark Zuckerberg on this because uh, there's these minority depository institutions that are basically uh, banks that are minority-owned that serve these communities. And Facebook could basically, as Meeks points out, could put some of their billions of dollars into these institutions and frankly help them out a lot and probably there's no better or easier way to actually do what he wants to do if helping the underbanked uh actually you know if that's his priority that's probably the most straightforward like straight line to doing that and he just said he didn't know if they had any money there. And, you know, Meek says to him that I'm going to probably guarantee that you don't. And he got very emotional, actually. It was a sh- very, one of the, probably the strongest moments during the, the hearing. And he just, Zuckerberg just didn't have anything to say to that. I mean, the idea, the, the idea first of all, that a cryptocurrency is going to help the poorest people, people living in poverty. Is first of all a joke because those people are not saving any money. I mean, most and and you could even extend that to most you know most Americans who are making basically the medium income. Uh, I believe something like half of Americans couldn't even come up with four hundred dollars in case of an emergency. So the idea that a cryptocurrency, which gives you no ability to again 
uh, buy and sell goods and services straightforward is going to help people who basically take their paycheck and buy, once again, goods and services, food, electric, you know, pay their bills, rent, uh, 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 after, you know, after school or babysitting services so they can, you know, work. It's, 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 it, to me, it was just a, a moment where, man, like, you know, even if you throw out all their past sins, and we say, okay, they want to come up with this Libra thing and just say, start fresh here. Don't bring up anything in their past. Like, it just shows that even on this, they're just not ready to, to stand up to the challenge of, of whatever they're trying to at least say they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, this came up a few times where people were kind of like, you know, you don't actually, you know, if you want to help unbanked people, you want to make uh, remittances easier um, so people can, you know, send money back to their home country, to their family. Um, you don't actually have to need make your own cryptocurrency. Like it's a very complicated way of going about it, right? Um, you know, and I think what they're getting at is like you know Facebook's motivation here. It's not just about that. You know, Zuckerberg likes to position a lot of what they're doing as you know like connecting the world and it's kind of like a uh, greater societal good kind of thing. Um, and I think actually when you get a better, a little bit better of an idea of why they're doing this, it's some of the comments he makes about China. You know, and he right. says, well, if we don't do this, then China will, and that will hurt, you know, America's uh, financial dominance in the world. Um, what he doesn't say is, you know, it's also bad for Facebook if uh, there's some other platform. And I think a lot of it is also about maintaining Facebook, maintaining Facebook's dominance, you know. Um, Facebook has, you know, very real, you know, his, you know, Zuckerberg's top goal at all times is to make sure that uh, Facebook stays big and, and powerful and reaches new people. And, you know, I think if people's own money is tied up in a, if not a currency that's controlled by Facebook itself, at least the wallet is, um, that's like one, you know, good way of potentially keeping a lot of users around. Right. Now, one thing that came up during the hearing, and we don't spend too much time on this one, because it seems like, again, this is, uh, you know, sort of something that is a future worry for Facebook instead of, you know, I guess everything we've been talking about has been in Facebook's past, what we know of them so far. This is sort of, you know, a upcoming technology, wondering how they're going to deal with it. Uh, deepfakes were brought up. Uh, do you know if Facebook has ever really uh, brought up deepfakes at any sort of point in terms of how they're planning on dealing with this? Or is this something that they don't even, they haven't even gone on the record yet? Yeah, I mean, they're trying to figure it out right now, I think. Um, you know, this really became a big issue for them uh, with that whole Pelosi video. Uh, which ironically wasn't even itself really a deep fake because it was slowed down, um, right. I guess, rather than like uh, actually completely altered. Um, but I think soon after that, uh, you know, the Facebook sense has been very apologetic saying, oh, we should have you know, caught that earlier. We should have you know, dealt with that much more quickly than we did. Um, but they have since come out and said that they, they are working on some kind of policy that would address deep fakes. I mean, they haven't actually, we don't really know exactly what that will look like or how it will work. They have sort of uh, hinted at the fact that it could be a little bit different than their normal, uh, you know, sort of like misinformation policy. Um, and then we recently saw that from Twitter as well. They also kind of said that they, you know, they're also trying to grapple with the same issue because, you know, from their point of view, they're saying, okay, well, like deep fakes would be a very different kind of, um, you know, form of, of misinformation and uh, rather than just the normal kind of like, fake news, clickbait kind of thing, but I don't think they exactly know uh, what that looks like yet. Right. Now, let's get to uh, this this one. I think this is going to be the last, ma- I think this is the last major sort of point that was made. We brought up, you know, how Cambridge Analytica came up, and I think there was one point where uh, Rep Velasquez actually, really, really good point was, you know, we can't even trust you with our personal information, our emails, our, our telephone numbers, and now you want us to give you all our financial data, like our banking data, it's, it's a great, great point. I mean, Facebook is notoriously bad at handling this stuff. They've had a number of leaks when it comes to, you know, not even like where Cambridge Analytica took advantage of uh, their actual API and just used it in a, a wrong, you know, a, a, a wrong manner. We're talking about Facebook actually dropping the ball themselves on handling, you know, this data. But um, Katie Porter... Uh, brought up, you know, I'm going to play this clip actually because it was really a strong moment where 
basically Mark Zuckerberg refused to do the work of his lowest paid, well, not employees, contractors. Let me let me let her uh, uh, take over here. Facebook's known as a great place to work, free food, ping pong tables, great employee benefits, but Facebook doesn't use its employees for the hardest jobs in the company. You've got about 15,000 contractors watching murders, stabbings, suicides, other gruesome, disgusting videos for content moderation, correct? Uh, Congressman, yes, I believe that that's correct. You pay many of those workers under $30,000 a year, and you've cut them off from mental health care when they leave the company, even if they have PTSD because of their work for your company. Is that correct? Um, Congresswoman, my understanding is you know, we pay everyone, including the contractors associated with the company, at least a $15 minimum wage. In, in markets and in cities where there's a high cost of living, that's a $20 minimum wage. We go out of our way Thank to you. offer I, a I lot of I take your word at the wage. Health. Reclaiming my time. Um, according to one report I have, and this is straight out of an episode of Black Mirror, these workers get nine, nine minutes of supervised wellness time per day. That means nine minutes to cry in the stairwell while somebody watches them. Would you be willing to commit to spending one hour a day for the next year watching these videos and acting as a content monitor and only accessing, accessing the same benefits available to your workers? Uh, Congresswoman, we, we work hard to make sure that we give good benefits to all the folks who are doing I, this. Mr. Zuckerberg, reclaiming my time, I would appreciate a yes or a no. Uh, would you be willing to act as a content monitor? To have that life experience. I'm not sure that it would best serve our community for me to spend that much reclaiming time. Reclaiming my time. Mr. Zuckerberg, I, I, I spend a reclaiming lot of time my time. Mr. Zuckerberg, are you saying you're not qualified to be a content monitor? No, Congresswoman. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, then you're saying you're not willing to do it. You know, that's just, it would have been so easy for the guy to just, I mean, this is the moment where, like, you just say, yes, I'll do that. I mean, he acts like she's asking him because she thinks he should be moderating this content himself because he's like, oh, this is this that moderating this content wouldn't be a good use of my time, like personally my time. But she's that's not even the point she's making. The point is experience what they experience so you can see the conditions you're putting them under. And he can't even like, I don't know if he didn't get it, which would be, geez, I mean, this guy needs to, I don't know, take some social, <laughs> I don't even know, socialize, go out and socialize more. I don't know. But it was just a weird moment where it seems like it would have been so easy for him to just say, yes, I will. I'll see what they go through for one hour. Yeah. Yeah, but then he would actually have to do it, you know. I mean, I think that he, there's been a lot, there's been so much uh, controversy over this issue and the kinds of just really horrific things that they see. And yeah, I mean, I think he could have said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll commit to doing that. And I'm sure they could have done some very orchestrated, like sort of PR stunt where he sits uh, in one of these facilities for an hour and then they feed him a bunch of, you know, uh, the stuff that's, you know, probably not the worst of the worst. Right. right. Um, I don't, I don't think he really wants to get himself into like that kind of position where he's, you know, uh, saying that he, I don't think he wants to become like the face of, of this particular issue necessarily. Um, even though I know that it's something like he has gotten a lot of grief about, it came up in that sort of, uh, that leaked audio that came out a while ago from his, you know, sort of like all hands Q and a, where people were kind of asking him, you know, like, are you concerned about the way that we're, we're treating these workers? And I think that they've, you know, they've made some, some kinds of fixes and they kind of want to just say like, okay, well, you know, we've sort of dealt with that problem and now we're on to the next thing. I don't think they, this is something that he's very keen to dwell on. Right. So what do you think? Basically, I guess, you know, the hearing ended as all these tech hearings do with Congress basically in full agreement that this was all pointless, that they learned nothing new and they're still very upset and they hope that they'll continue to work with these uh, tech companies, in this case, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, to address these issues because, I don't know, we have another election coming up and things don't seem to be getting any better with any of these companies. I mean... Yes, they're working harder to, to fix these issues, but it seems like uh, they also want to let certain, I don't know, loopholes exist, c continue to exist. And also uh, the people who are 
I don't know, weaponizing this stuff seems to be catching on and, and are utilizing this stuff in new ways to get around even that. Um, so, you know, I, where do you think, what's, what's next here, do you think, in terms of, I don't know, do you think Libra is something they're going to put on the shelf for a bit and continue to just see, I guess, how 2020 ends up going with these new policies surrounding that? What's your take here in terms of where at least, I don't know, maybe Facebook's, uh, sort of going to go with this? Well, you know, I think they're sort of, I think they're, they're trying to push ahead with Libra. Obviously there's been some other sort of, uh, speed bumps that, that have happened there. I think, I don't think this has really deterred them, although it's given them like probably a clear idea of like what, uh, you know, kind of what concerns they are dealing with and, and where they're sort of facing the most pushback you know, but you also have to remember that Facebook is facing like a ton of investigations on all sides right now, um, you know, from from Congress and uh, from uh, from individual states, from, you know, um, on many different fronts. And their FTC, you know, is thinking about is looking at uh, antitrust stuff. So, I mean, they're dealing with like a lot of a lot of regulatory pressure right now. Um, and I think that's kind of like one of the most striking things is like if you think about you mentioned earlier how this was, you know, I think Zuckerberg's sort of second overall big, big day at Congress. The first one was, I think, uh, last year. Um, you know, think about that. Facebook has been around for, I don't know, almost 15 years now, right? Yeah. And then, like, he's only kind of just now having to, to answer to Congress. So, you know, I think this is definitely, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more of him on Capitol Hill. Carissa Bell, senior tech reporter, well, not just a senior tech reporter at Mashable, also my colleague at Mashable. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Where can people follow you online? Uh, follow me on Twitter, Carissa B. Carissa B, I like that. Yeah. All right, Carissa, take care. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, we are going to go. Here goes Skype. Bloop. We are going to, well, first of all, actually, I want to play this. I forgot to mention it earlier, but I want to play one more thing from Katie Porter. And it's when she, <clears throat> she trashes Mark Zuckerberg's haircut. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's pointless to play with Carissa on the line because, you know, we're just, we're talking the, the, the meat there of what the, the hearing was about. But now that we're going into the fun half of the show, I can give you, well, it's not the fun half of the show. That's majority part. The whole show right here is fun. We don't do the majority part in Sam Cedar's thing. This, before we go to the members half of the show, we're going, I'm going to play a little sneak peek of all the fun we have there by playing this hilarious moment from Katie Porter. Really, really funny stuff. Mr. Zuckerberg, I, um, as you know, Facebook can be sometimes an unkind place, um, both toward my personal appearance and today apparently toward your haircut. Um, but I just, as a mother of a teenage boy, I just want to say thanks for modeling um, the shortcut. Um, <laughs> you have said, um, quote, That was so good. She's really good at this. There's a lot of Congress, young Congress people and freshman Congress people who are really good at this, much better than the older Congress people who have been doing this for, for a while. And it shows with, with AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Katie Porter. Um, you know, that was a great moment. Folks! Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. That's how you can support the show. We're really, we're really getting close to the goal. I've been saying it forever. We've been trying to reach that goal forever, but we are closer than ever. We are less than 20 patrons away from the next step on this show. Once we hit this goal, I'm going to roll out a few tiers. I'm going to establish a new goal because I think we'll hit the goals faster when we hit this first goal. And I'm going to, I know I've been saying, oh, I'm going to do like, you know, uh, standalone YouTube vids on certain topics, which will be, you know, just a few minutes long, easily shareable. Uh, you know, I've been saying that for a while, but if we hit this goal, I will make it 
part of like the guarantee, the stuff you get. Like right now, I tell you guys, I will do a show every week. Uh, four shows a month usually comes out to that. Uh, and uh, I also, after the uh, free, you know, 45 minute to hour, usually I even go over that uh, podcast version of the show that goes up on iTunes and Google Play and everywhere else. You know, I say, oh yeah, also uh, then I do uh, an hour plus uh, taking your questions and comments in the YouTube live stream chat, you know, and all that you guys know is guaranteed as long as I've got patrons, uh, then that's what I'll be doing. I will throw the YouTube vid thing into that guaranteed stuff. When we hit this Patreon goal. That's patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Uh, again, if you can't afford to do so, you can support this show through the various free means of supporting the show. Like subscribing at youtube.com slash Matt Binder. Subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leaving a review on iTunes, a written review or a star review. Spreading the word about this show through word of mouth. Just tell your friends about it, your family members about it, whoever you think would like this show. Um, but if you can't afford to become a, a patron, once again, patreon.com slash Matt Binder. And if you listen to the YouTube live stream, you're with us live right now, you can donate a one-off contribution via the YouTube super chat feature. Uh, along with that, not only will I get your super chat, uh, donation, I will make sure that your comment is a priority. I don't always get to all the comments, uh, but a super chat comment is guaranteed to be read and addressed, whether it's a question or a comment, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's that's the show, folks. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Matt Binder. Uh, search for me on Facebook, Matt Binder. I'll come up there. Like me on there. Uh I'm on Instagram, although I barely use it. But again, follow me on Instagram, Matt Binder. And if enough people follow me on there, I'll use that too. I should diversify my social networking contribution, shouldn't I? Um, that's actually the smart thing, because who knows? Facebook could shut me down. You, Twitter could shut me down. YouTube could shut me down for any reason. They don't need a reason. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, Patreon.com slash Matt Binder once again. Oh. Before I end it, here are those patrons. Uh, the people who make this show possible. Abigail T., Adam Q., Alan B., Andrew C., Andrew H., R.E.R., Ben, Benji, Bobby M., Brosnan, BZ, Champagne Kami, Chi, Christine H., Colin R., uh, Cyber, Dan, Dan K., Dan M, we got three Dens. Dank Uger, Dave K, Dave Z, Dave P, uh, Dragon Slayer, Eugene B, Fraz K, FTW All Day, Future MD, Greg D, Grim L, uh, Ian J, Jameson Test, Janelle A, Jasmine H, Jeff K, Jeremy M, John S, Jonathan B, Jonathan L, Joseph R, Joyce M, Justin M, Justin S, Katie S, Katz, Kaushal, Lisa D, Lisa H, Matt Z, Max W, the user me, Melissa M, Mitch V, Michael B, Michael J, Michael M, we got three Michaels, look at that, Mr. Danks, Nicole A, Namdaynet, Null Style, Odeth, Qster, Romina O, Ryan Left His Best, Scott R, Sean H, Cena, Stephen S, Struggle Session, TM, Tamni G, Thaddeus A, Tina M, Todd K, Tom G, Tom M. Uh, what do you mean, videos? Why that tie guy? Will P, Wootopian, Zachary P, Zarin, and last but not least. Uh, and this person has has injected some life into the uh, Discord, by the way. You know, the Discord, I it was where... This, let me name her first before I, I, I forget. Zoe G. Now, the Discord is what you uh, get to become a part of if you become a patron. And, you know, I've jumped in there and, and, and I chat with you guys. And, uh, 
mostly though, I, I you, you guys in the Discord get the first announcements regarding the show. Uh, and then it goes out through other channels later. But this past week, there's been a lot of discussion there, I've noticed. So I'm going to jump in there more often now. Uh, and let's get this Discord channel uh, up and, uh, you know, and, and bopping, right? Cool cats. <laughs> Patreon.com slash MattBinder. If you haven't received the Discord link, by the way, some people have said that they haven't received it automatically. Reach out to me. I'll get you invited into the Discord if you're a patron for sure. Not a problem at all. All right. Stick around for the patron half of the show. Otherwise, see you all next time on Doomed. Yeah.